And that is Salvation Unto Us has come on this Tuesday, October the 22nd in the year of our Lord 2019. You're listening to Law and Gospel, Rumination Tuesday. And Mark Smith, our regular guest, is on assignment. And unfortunately, we have with us today Mark Laverty. Hi, Mark. Oh, thanks a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Mark Laverty, good friend of mine, organist at uh, Zion Lutheran Church in Maryland Heights. And music director. And music director. And what are the time of the services there? Oh, we have services at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. Excellent. Excellent. And I know you've been in the pro-life movement there a little bit, too. Pretty much, yeah. Excellent. And we just celebrated our 150th anniversary this year. Wow. That's that's something. 1869 it was started. Is that right? And then you also are a concert pianist. I Yes, I play concerts uh, around the country from time to time. And uh, I'm also a piano instructor out in Chesterfield, Missouri. And I've got 15 fantastic students, three of whom are Lutheran and play church services around St. Louis, uh, even here at the uh, International Center. And tell us about the one who's going to be doing a recital. Oh, yes. Uh, that's Ryan uh, Ettinger. He is uh, one of my best students. He's been with me about four years, and uh, he's playing a full recital at the Steinway Company uh, near the end of the month uh, on uh, November 23rd. But as a preview, he's going to play uh, a portion of the recital uh, here in the chapel uh, on the Boston Grand Piano on November 8th at noon. At noon. So if anybody wants to hear that, they can come at noon. And then they also serve lunch here. You can buy. Oh, yes, in the cafeteria. Yeah, in the cafeteria. <laughs> that's where I was. That's where they normally oh, serve lunch. He will be playing Bach, Mozart, and Debussy. I don't know her. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll play a nice little uh, arrangement of uh, one of our beautiful Lutheran hymns. Really? Yeah, for piano. It's very uh, extravagant. Oh, yeah. Looking forward, hopefully. You know, there's ten verses to Salvation Unto Us Has Come, and it was written by Paul Speritus. He was a priest in the Western Church, but he wrote this while imprisoned for espousing Luther's cause and openly and freely preaching Luther's biblical and evangelical doctrine. In fact, it became a portion of one of the first hymnals, and it's known as the Achliederbuch, and he assisted Luther in putting it together and enjoys the distinction of being what might be called the first Lutheran hymnal. Jawohl. Jawohl. <laughs> don't, don't talk French. <laughs> yes, uh, you're reading uh, pretty much what I have in my hymnal companion here. Uh, it's considered the most famous hymn of Paul Spiritus. And uh, yes, the first Lutheran hymnal, Acht Liederbuch. Um, the, the, there were actually some people who opposed it as a hymn because they thought that, well, look, it's already in the catechism about justification by faith. Why do we need a hymn? And a lot of people don't realize, and you certainly do, how critical hymns are in creating an understanding of God. Um, 
you can't underestimate or overestimate uh, the the value of these hymns. Uh, the hymnal, in my opinion, is second only to the Bible. Yes. Uh, our Lutheran theologians and uh, hymnologists and uh, professors that put these hymns, hymnals together, uh, they know their stuff, and uh, very little gets by that is uh, that has poor doctrine or poor uh, poetry. Yes. In fact, um, we were talking, uh, well, it was actually President Harrison started speaking about the importance of teaching children hymns. And I really do agree with that. Because uh, what that means is that these children are going to come to a proper understanding of Lutheran theology, which I don't make a distinction between biblical theology no. and Lutheran theology. Correct. It's the same thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I sometimes run into problems when somebody says, and this will be from a Lutheran point of view. No, it's from a biblical point of view. Exactly. Yes. So without further ado, I doubt we're going to get through all 10 verses, especially with you here. I'll read fast. Okay. (laughs) Go ahead with the first stanza, please. Salvation unto us has come by God's free grace and favor. Good works cannot avert our doom. They help and save us never. Faith looks to Jesus Christ alone, who did for all the world atone. He is our one Redeemer. Boy, I I love the first phrase, salvation unto us has come. How many times do we hear on other radio stations that open your heart and invite Christ? Salvation doesn't come to those people. They bring it to themselves, they think. But when you think about the parable of the lost sheep, did Jesus come to the lost sheep or did the lost sheep come to Jesus? Yeah, the sheep, uh, the lost sheep didn't start saying, oh, where's my shepherd? No, no, he was heading yeah. in the wrong direction. And he was maybe in a hole or whatever, couldn't get out. And it's come by God's free grace and favor. Boy, The word grace is really misunderstood by a lot of people. They think grace is some kind of substance that God gives us, some power in order to do good works. And that's not true at all. Well, the other thing, uh, as I was thinking about our uh, visit this morning and the first phrase, well, the title of the hymn, Salvation Unto Us Has Come, uh, you really have law and gospel in that phrase. Obviously, salvation has come to us. That's the gospel. Yes. But the implication is we need salvation. In other words, if it hadn't come, we weren't saved. Yes. That's the law. Yes. Uh, the implication being we, we're we lost and we need to be saved. So that's a that's an excellent phrase uh, of law and gospel. Yeah, it's kind of like somebody in the desert and there's no food or water and then a rescue party comes, and he could say, oh, food Food and water has come, (laughs) Yes, which meant he needed it. Yes, exactly. Very good. Very good law and gospel thing. Well, I had a good teacher. Yes, your mother was wonderful. (laughs) Uh, She was... Well, you got that right. That's for sure. And by God's free grace and favor. He doesn't fool around. Good works cannot avert our doom they help and save us never. See, a lot of, even Lutherans don't understand that. You are not going to heaven 
because of your good works, and you're not going to hell because of your bad works. Good works are no longer the criteria which God uses. He instead is looking for faith. If you're a, a believer, regardless of the level of your works, you're on your way to heaven. Well, like the thief on the cross. He yes. probably spent his whole life uh, robbing and committing crimes, and then, oh, at the last minute, he changes his mind. And people often say, oh, well, what about Hitler? Uh, what if he, uh, before he died, he uh, confessed his sins and turned to Christ? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he'd be saved. Oh, I got in trouble once. Who was that um, cannibal in Milwaukee? They caught Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. And he came to faith in prison. And I said, he's going to be in heaven. And I got an email from a lady just chastising me for saying that that uh, there was no way he was going to go to heaven after all the crimes he had done. But they forget, <clears throat> there was another guy in the Bible who killed Christians. His name was Saul. Saul. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and not only is he going to heaven, he was made apostle to the Gentiles. Yes. Just unbelievable. Um, in fact, I'm going to be talking about that in the sermon today, which means we're going to drop off a little early for me to get over there. It's at 10 o'clock. You can hear it on KFUO, so just stay tuned into it. But we'll be playing more of this hymn uh, about five minutes, too. Give me time to get over there. But, I'll try to get over there. Oh, yes, because I'm going to use you as an example of how good works cannot avert your doom. <laughs> yeah, I do plenty of good works. Oh, yeah, yeah, you really do, I tell you. Just... Stanza two, Tom. Uh, we're not done f one. Oh, we've got ten minutes. <laughs> I, I said we're not going to get through all ten. Faith looks to whom alone? Jesus Christ. Yes. Now, faith doesn't mean that you believe that Jesus Christ existed or that he was a human being or that he was born of a virgin or that he died or that he rose. Faith, the object of faith is always the promises connected to those true historical events. Because the promise is, Jesus Christ did for all the world atone. What does that mean? Atone. Um, to pay for. Yes. Yeah, to make atonement. In fact, break the word up. Atonement. At one meant. In other words, we are now one with the Holy Trinity. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is within us, and the Father is pleased with us. He'll say the same words to us he said to his son on the day of judgment. Uh, These are my beloved sons in whom I am well pleased. And he is our one redeemer. Now, I don't hear that word used too much today, but that word was used in Jesus' day. If you redeemed anyone, it was usually a slave and redemption meant this is what you paid for to to save that all right two me yep you oh what god did in his law demand and none to him could render cause wrath and woe on every hand for man the vile offender our flesh has not those pure desires the spirit of the law requires, and lost is our condition. 
Boy. This is really what my sermon is going to be about today. I don't think anybody who's going to be listening in the chapel, remember, I always have a question. <laughs> and um, the the point of view is that nobody can meet the demands of God's law. That's the law. You share the law for one purpose, and Paul talks about that, in order that you will know you're a sinner. It's the second use of the law. <clears throat> Do you recall the first, second, and third uses of the law? Not this early in the morning. <laughs> oh, not this early. The first is the government use. The second is the church's use to accuse you of your sin. And the third is the church's use if you want to know what the will of God is for your life. Yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. But uh, what we're talking about here is the second use. God demands in his law, and none to him could render and it causes wrath and woe on every hand this is why especially in our day in light of uh, abortion gay marriage etc there are many people who are causing persecution to the church because we're using god's law to tell them that these are sinful practices and they do not appreciate that at all I, i'm kind of amazed here in st louis we haven't had too many protests at individual churches like they have in California and things like that. I don't know the reason for that. Protests at Lutheran churches? Yes, by gays and uh, folks like that. Have you had any protests against no. what your church teaches? No. no. Uh, maybe at Mark Smith's church, I think he puts out the crosses. Uh, yeah, but he didn't get any negative from uh, that either. People probably don't understand what he's... Well, no, he had a sign there as to how many... Oh. I mean, who's going to protest that we want to keep children in the womb alive? You know, with your background with the uh, pro-life kind of thing, aren't you somewhat amazed how few Christians want to get involved in that? Oh, it's disheartening. Yes. And uh, I, I haven't quite figured that out. But our flesh has not those pure desires. Now, there is the point. God just doesn't demand an outward work. He wants also the proper desires, the proper motivation. And the old Adam never has a proper motivation, even when they do an outwardly good work. I mean, how many people, when they have a policeman behind them, I always know when I'm driving, and I put on about 1,000 miles a week now, uh, going to churches and driving for Uber, I never pass anybody on the highway because I go the speed limit. So when I come up to a group of cars that are going the speed limit, I immediately assume there's a policeman somewhere around. <laughs> and sure enough, there is. So they're now going to do the proper speed limit, but for the wrong reason. It's out of self-interest. Now, I have to admit, I drive the speed limit with Uber out of self-interest, because if Uber finds out I'm getting tickets all over the place, I won't be able to drive for them. So there's some self-interest there, even there. Indeed. All right, stanza three. <clears throat> it was a false, misleading dream that God his law had given, that sinners could themselves redeem and by their works gain heaven. The law is but a mirror bright to bring the inbred sin to light. 
that lurks within our nature. Yeah. So I make a point. Every sermon needs to attack the people in the pew. That's the law. Convict them. Yeah, convict them in, in order that they realize, ooh, I am failing in that area. I mean, even the Pharisee says, we haven't murdered anybody. So Jesus says, well, did you know that a thought, a bad thought, a bad word is that? And I think this is the problem with Judaism. Judaism is a different religion than the Old Testament. And they had this false misleading dream that God had given the law so sinners could themselves redeem. Remember the Pharisee? Thank God I'm not like that tax collector. And then he starts rattling off the law. I fast, I tithe. tithe. And those weren't even moral laws. Those were civil laws. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, ceremonial laws. Yeah. So that's heard a lot at funerals of non-Lutheran churches. For some reason, pastors just want to indicate that that person is saved because of his works. What a wonderful man he was. They were very nice. Yes. Always did loving things. Exactly. And, uh, I mean, this is a tremendous hymn that you could not sing at most funerals today outside the Lutheran church. Uh, I should point out in my hymnal companion, it says there was originally 14 stanzas. Oh, 14? Wow. And we're only down to 10. So that would take three Tuesdays <laughs> at the rate we're going. All right. I'll do four. From sin our flesh could not abstain. Sin held its sway unceasing. The task was useless and in vain. Our guilt was ever increasing. None can remove sin's poison dark or purify our guileful heart. So deep is our corruption. The law is not only to share with you the will of God, but to also make it clear that there's nothing you can do to get out from under the curse of the law. In the day that you sin, death will be the result. And that is to make people fear God. That's why Moses starts all his commandments. We should fear and love because we recognize what we deserve but because of jesus christ we're forgiven which means that he no longer holds us accountable for our sin the last phrase there says so deep is our corruption it reminds me of uh the scripture that says uh if anyone causes one of these little ones to sin uh it'd be better it'd be better to have a millstone hung around your neck and tossed into the deep of the sea. That's pretty frightening. (laughs) Yes. And a lot of people don't have your translation. Uh, The King James, I think, if anyone offends one of these little ones, but they don't realize that it really means to cause them to sin. So this is why in our adoption clinics, Roman Catholic and Lutheran, we will refuse to give children to homosexual parents because they're going to be causing those children to at least think that the sin of homosexuality is okay and that comes under that particular statement yeah 
I, I just had a conversation with a woman, and she was ask, t- asking me, why do, do people have a different view of God than the Bible has? Everybody thinks he's kind of like Santa Claus. <laughs> you know, and I said, yeah, they forgot about the whip in the temple. <laughs> And yes. she was actually unaware of what I meant and had to explain that Jesus took a whip into the temple and said, you have made this house of my father a den of robbers, which, by the way, he was quoting from Jeremiah. Jeremiah has that quote against the people who are being taken into Babylonian captivity. So uh, you're playing the organ this Sunday for Reformation. Is this a hymn you're going to be using, or do you know yet? Um, well, for sure, we're using A Mighty Fortress. Yes. Um, I don't think I have the final draft. Yeah. Sunday. I just sent out uh, the hymns for my sermon, and uh, took me a little while longer. I Every hymn is written by Martin Luther. We, we sing four hymns what, with the communion hymn. And so, fortunately, at the back of our hymnal, they have a list of all those who wrote hymns and what hymns they wrote, the numbers. So I started going through them. Now, some of them were Pentecost, so I couldn't use that or such. But um, people don't realize how important, I think Luther had the same attitude you have, that the hymnal is comparable to the Bible. Oh, indeed. Yes, and that's why it's not at all unusual when I go to hospice that they may not be able to be thinking very well, but they're also either humming or singing one of the hymns that they learned. Now, some parents actually go over the hymns and help the children to memorize them. And this would really be a good one because this is probably one of the finest Reformation hymns, since it talks all about justification. Uh, unable to get through all of them, do you have any other points you want to make about it at all? Um, <clears throat> well, sometimes, and I hear this occasionally, uh, it's it's good to just read hymns as opposed to singing them. Singing them is great, and uh, obviously as a musician, uh, I uh, I encourage that, but uh, sometimes you can sing through a hymn and you're not always cognizant of every uh, every thought and idea well said. Uh, in the hymn. And so it's often better to just sit and read the, uh, the hymnal. In fact, um, <clears throat> I didn't tell you this, but that's exactly what we did over at Lutheran Church Extension when I preached today. Uh, the hymn was, Now Thank We All Our God, which we will be singing in this next service. But I said, let's just... Read it, because you really make a good point. As you were reading it, you suddenly see things. Well, I didn't know that was in that hymn yeah. when I sang it. Yeah. I mean, some people have it even memorized. Uh, at congregations, I'll, I'll, I'll often ask them, well, there's a very famous hymn, and the last line is, on earth is not as equal. And obviously, that's talking about, and I ask them, and everybody says, Jesus. Whereas, who is it? Satan. It's Satan. And it's a mighty fortress is our God. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, I really thank you for coming in today. I know you had to get up (laughs) and get dressed. Oh, am I awake? Yes. (laughs) We're really fastly, quickly done. No, I enjoy it because of your background and such. Uh, Tomorrow is Bible Study Wednesday, and we're going to be, of course, doing 
a Reformation Bible study. So till tomorrow, I'm Tom Baker. God bless. Listen to Law Morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.